Welcome to this week's episode of HC Hive, a podcast about all things HCI, UX, and grad school. My name is Tamira Smith, and I'm one of the hosts for today's episode. I'm a second year in the program in the ID track. And I'm Lakshmi, a first year in the psych track. Today, we will be talking about being Black and Latinx women in the UX field. According to data collected by Zipia, a recruitment company, 76.1% of user experience designers are white, with 10.2% identifying as Hispanic or Latinx, and 3.5% identifying as Black. With these jarring numbers, it's no surprise that oftentimes when Black or Latinx women enter user experience roles, they are often the only Black or Latinx person on their team. This can lead to a constant feeling of otherness and can leave a feeling that it's constantly our duty to make sure diversity is included in our team's research. As two women of color, we are using this conversation to connect with other women of color in the UX field. Today, we are speaking with two alumni and one current student of the MSHCI program at Georgia Tech. Together, we will explore personal narratives around aspects of identity and its role within professional life. To start off, we'd love to hear more about everyone's professional background before working user experience. And what made you decide you wanted to pursue this career? Monet, can you start us off? I am Monet. I am the design director at Square, working on the commerce platform team, which is powering all of the commerce solutions for our sellers, the creating an account, onboarding, setting up things to sell, and getting your point of sale configured in brick and mortar stores. I've been at Square for five years, just had my anniversary earlier this year, and my journey to design started in computer science. Studied computer science in high school, majored in it in college, and then briefly had a stint as an engineer at a startup after graduating. And a couple months in was like, this is great. I like working in tech, but I don't want to be the one building it. And so because it was a startup, they're like, do you want to do product management maybe? And so I jumped over there, liked that way more because the main difference was I liked to think about the ways that people were using technology and the ways that technology was empowering them to do new things and contribute to their lives, but I didn't really want to be building it. And then in the product management capacity, I enjoyed being closer to the development of the ideas, but because it was a startup, I was also spending a lot of my time like layering in functionality into our existing experience and saying, if we want to add, this should be the entry point or this should be the experience. And once we hired a design team to rightfully do that work, they took that part of the job and I was like, oh, that's what I want to be doing. So found the HCI program at Georgia Tech and moved here to work there and finally found in a roundabout way the thing that I really enjoy doing. Awesome. Yeah, I had a similar experience with my journey and like figuring out, oh, I like this part of what I do now, but I don't really like this part so much. And then figure out that's what really UX was and what drew me to the program itself. So I guess we can move to hearing a little bit more about you, Maria Paula, and your background and what brought you to this field in the program. Yeah, my name is Maria Paula. I'm currently a second year in the MSHCI program. I'm on the psychology track. My background in for undergrad is in psychology. Before coming to the program, I work as a research assistant and Mark Fellow for about two years. I was doing research, helping kids learn how to read and working with robotics. So at the time, I thought that that was going to be what I had to do, clinical psych. But thanks to this project, I was exposed to UX and how my psychology skills and my 
passion to help people can be transformed into technology. So that's what brought me here. I really like finding solutions, learning what people are trying to get out of the technology they're using. So that's why I'm in the program and I'm focusing more on the UX research side. Awesome. And Hanan? Hi. So I'm a product designer at Exigy. We're a consultancy, not quite a design agency, but we create technology for social impact organizations. And I just passed my first year anniversary. I graduated from the HCI program in 2021. So definitely consider myself early career. But what brought me to design was I started off in industrial engineering and worked as an operations consultant. We worked with hospitals to optimize staffing schedules. And I think the seed was planted for me the last quarter of my senior year, where I took a human-centered service design class. And it got me thinking, oh, I'm like really interested in process and how to make things better to improve for people. What if I could optimize them in service of those people as opposed to other metrics like the bottom line? So I committed and transitioned to UX and found myself here. Awesome. It's so interesting to hear everyone have such unique paths into the field and into the program. And if we dive a little bit more into your experience, specifically in UX, what are some of the unique challenges that you've faced in the field and how have you worked through them? Well, I'm, I'm thinking about it in two different ways. I know that we're talking about what it means to be a woman of color in the space. And while I think that those are unique to that experience, I would have experienced those anywhere, whether or not it's designed or not. And so, for example, one of the things early in my career, and even now to some way, like my approach to most things is to be excellent, which is not really extending myself breaks, like making sure that I have double and triple and quadruple checked things before I send it. When it comes to like advocating for myself for promotions or for whatever these things are, like triple checking that I'm 150% ready for it. Whereas most people in my peers are like, I'm 80% there. I can go ahead and do this thing. And I don't necessarily think that's like my journey as a designer, but certainly observing myself in the space and being very realistic about how I am perceived and who I am and the experiences I'm bringing. In terms of design specifically, I graduated the program in 2016. I graduated undergrad in 2010. And I'm not going to pretend like that's when technology was introduced, but I do remember like a world before Facebook and a world after Facebook. And like when Instagram was this random thing you were sharing with your friends to like now this, you can sell things and talk to strangers and all of these things. And from a design perspective, it has been interesting to not really know and to be a part of what the future of these things that we're building are, that it almost seems frivolous to say, I'm going to create an app where people just share pictures with one another. But now that is fundamental to so many other technologies that have been released that people are using on a day-to-day basis. And it's been interesting to be on the cusp of that from a design perspective. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing and sharing across like both spaces of what it looks like specifically in the field and also with you personally. If we want to hear from MP next. Yeah, so I don't yet have professional experience as Maned and Hanan, but I guess something that I can recall is just feeling a little bit lonely because as a Latina in tech, there's not a lot of us. My first year in the program, I noticed that I was the only one and it felt like 
there's no one I can share a cultural background or how to navigate things. So I guess the challenge is that sometimes you have to push yourself to do things on your own first until you feel confident enough to go to someone on an upper position. So if I need help, sometimes I'll try to do it on my own and then look for someone that could help me after I feel confident enough to do it. And in terms of research, I don't know if it's a challenge, but I think I have worked a lot to implement my own experiences on the insights that I provide and try to look for different opinions on participants. So, for example, when we had our first semester project, we were trying to look for users that speak Spanish. So I think it wasn't really a challenge for me to help on that, but it was also me trying to lead my team to understand that part of their culture. So it was a challenge, but not really a challenge. It was just something that I had to lead and work on how to let them know how these people might be thinking when they're answering certain questions. How can we word this so they don't feel uncomfortable and those sort of things. Yeah, thank you for sharing. That makes I relate to that experience in a lot of ways, especially helping people understand the culture that they're going into when you're part of that culture and kind of making sure they can respect that and also understand how different things mean different things to people within those groups. So that's really awesome. And then we'll move on to you, Hanan, hear a little bit about your experience. Uh, I guess before starting UX, it was a very new field and I felt there was so much to learn and different concepts. Once you thought you got a grasp of things, you'd learn about information architecture or you'd learn about interaction design or you'd learn about the impacts and unintentional consequences of design. So it always felt like grasping the space and trying to, because I, I feel like my intentions as a designer is I want to be as conscientious, as equitable as possible. And so I place it on myself to always bring that energy and always bring that consciousness to the work that I do. But sometimes I don't want to be a broken record and I don't want to be that one who's always advocating on behalf of how we should do things and process when it comes to like that work. So that has been a unique challenge for me, but it's also, I think I'll talk a little bit about this later, but just finding places that will value that. And then you're just positioning yourself for success. Yes, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that kind of ties into our next question that we have here, thinking a little bit more about how we can find these spaces that make us feel comfortable and that we feel we would be able to succeed and would take into account our feedback and also be somewhere that feels somewhat like a safe space compared to maybe companies that don't have as much of a focus on making sure that diversity, and equity and inclusion are at the center of their workforce and their company culture. So moving into our next question, what are things that you all look for to help you figure out whether you'd feel comfortable working somewhere as a Black or Latinx UXer? So thinking about what kinds of questions you answer during interviews or what kind of people do you try to connect with when learning more about these companies during that interview process and making decisions? Do you guys, I'll just check their LinkedIn. I'm going to look at the employees. That's like the number one thing I'll do. And not just for the diversity, but like the backgrounds and like where these folks have come from. I think that's my first step. Does anyone resonate? <laughs> 
There's a part that really resonates because it's one thing for a company to talk a good talk about their contributions to diversity and inclusion and the way that they are supporting certain communities. But if your workforce doesn't support that, are you talking about it or actually doing it? I, in the interview process, think that understanding the way that leadership talks about diversity and inclusion is also incredibly important. And so if there's any benefit for the last like dumpster fire that has been the last two, three-ish years, asking very honestly, how did your company show up for employees? And that encapsulates like, when we were remote, what were your policies there? When all of the social justice stuff was going down in 2022, how did you show up for people? Like there's so many examples that you can just ask demonstratively what happened. And what you get at is when you are joining a company, you of course have your peers that you're going to be working with and you have your manager that you have to like and respect and get along with. But the company culture isn't always set by the people in your immediate circle. And so understanding how leadership shows up for people is what is going to be the thing that is the biggest indicator of if you'll be, feel safe and protected, et cetera. I think I resonate with what Hanan said. When I was looking for internships, I was looking at people in there I could connect with, and I usually try to connect with whoever I felt more comfortable. It could be like a Hispanic or it could be another person of color that could tell me more about their role. So I definitely think that's very important for me. And also during my interviews, I let them know that English was not my first language. And if there's something that I said that they didn't understand, please just let me know and I can say it again. Because I think that was something that I, after a few rounds of interviews I understood or maybe they didn't say anything because they, I said something really quick. So also I look for a company to understand that there is different people and not everybody speaks one language and sometimes you have to let them know and see how they react to it and that's something I try to do now. Yeah, thank you so much for giving all of those like concrete examples. I know that's something that going into job hunts and going into interviews that Everyone wants to know which questions to ask and which topics to to cover, especially at that end point. Like, do you have any questions for us? Do you want to know more about the company? So I'm sure it's very helpful for our listeners to know how to go into those conversations and how to approach them. Yeah. And if I could add one is, yeah, how does leadership or what has the company said and done? I've seen in interviews, like when asking the DEI question, anywhere from just plain ignorance to here's our five-step plan and the timeline for what we plan to do. And so I would really take that seriously. And you can, I think you can tell whether it's lip service. It don't have to be perfect, but it does have to be genuine, I think. And then I like to ask if I can find like an ex-employee, particularly if they are a person of color, and just talk to them about like their experience. I've done that a couple of times and it's just a way like to get the real insights you really don't want everything to be a battle or not feel supported like what I mentioned when you really need it and so I found those two things to be really helpful as well yeah that makes a lot of sense do you mind talking a little bit more like what kinds of questions you would ask those ex-employees versus something you ask more in an interview setting about their experiences and then what kind of answers you're looking for to help you know whether this company is a good fit for you. I did ask, will I be safe here? And I think that was a little deeper into the conversation to just get a very honest answer about, I think there are so many things that can happen in the workplace, especially in consultancies, like you're dealing with clients and you're dealing with 
a lot of different teams. And so just like that was one of the telling responses that helped me make a decision. Um, yeah, thank you for sharing. I think that kind of actionable insight into your experiences and the strategies you use is really helpful to those in the position of looking for these roles and applying to these positions, especially what kinds of questions to ask to get those answers. Because I know like in my experience interviewing, it's been interesting to ask those questions and then they'll tell you about their initiatives and then I'll go look them up, research them, see if they're actually like putting their money where their mouth is and putting focus and emphasis on these missions or if it's just something they do once a year. So I think that's something that's really helpful when going through these processes is making sure they're genuine, like you all were saying, about what they're saying if they do have a focus in this area. So I guess we can move to how do you go about building a community at work that you find trust and comfort in? Well, I think being in a remote environment and not being surrounded in the spaces a lot of the time, it just takes a little extra effort. And I'm like always hungry to network and have a strong supportive environment or like system. I feel like there is a lot of value in that. I was wondering, has anyone else taken steps or made effort to understand the value of having a really strong network of people who you trust? Yeah, I definitely join a lot of communities of Latinx in tech and Latinas in tech. And I think it was very much worth it to do because there's a lot of people looking for the same thing, just looking for people that are on the same field and just connecting on a Slack or on LinkedIn. And sometimes they do meet up in places where there's more tech companies. So I think how fun and beneficial. There's people you can ask questions like how to navigate the remote job culture and things like that. And they also share like a lot of news about your country that you usually don't see on the American news. Like, for example, I'm from Peru and usually do not share what's going on because I don't have anyone from the same background. But online, like these online communities, they're also seeing what's happening and having that support. Oh, we're here, we hear you, and we understand that this might be something that you're also thinking about while doing work or school. So I definitely find a lot of positivity on those communities. In the remote culture, I think one of the things that happens is you're meeting your day fills up with meetings and they're all business related. And it's really hard to do the thing that you would do at the water cooler to say, which is catch up with someone and ask, how's your weekend? Because once the meeting starts, you're supposed to be talking about something business related. And so one of the things I started doing is like putting one-on-ones on the calendar, like coffee chats with people that I wanted to get to know. And there was no agenda. And it's like, we are just talking. And it has been helpful, especially because I'm doing this mostly with peers. And so if there's someone who is also managing a team and I am managing a team talking through some of the same problems that we're having, it has been nice to just like build community. Issa Rae, who's an actress and just like the goat all around, one of her tips is always to network horizontally and everyone wants to be like, I want to network with the CEO or the person who's like at the top, but it's the people next to you who are going to know exactly what you're going through and support you and eventually to you for opportunities in the future. Thank you so much for sharing, especially that networking horizontally aspect. I had a peer at my last company put like a 30 minute meeting on my calendar when I first started and I was so nervous. I was like, what does she want to talk about? I have no professional things that I could talk about with you, but it was so nice just to have that moment of camaraderie and building. And she very quickly became the person I went to and vice versa. So I think that's something we don't think about often enough. So thank you. 
I don't even know how you talk about this on a podcast. So Hanan put something in the chat, which you can't see because you're listening to this, not watching it, but it's also so daunting. <laughs> and I want to call out that like at the end of the day, like we're all humans and people and just starting from a place of I want to connect and I genuinely have these questions, but also knowing that you have something to offer to this exchange. Right. And so while there are times where you might want to fangirl out on something, you also are the magic and someone is going to benefit from networking with you and hearing what you have to say too. And so hopefully that makes it a little less daunting to just put time on the calendar and be like, what kind of coffee do you like to drink? And also <laughs> what advice do you have? Well, actually, I was saying it's not as daunting. I think when you spoke about horizontally, that to me, like, it's just, you're just spreading your wings. You, you don't feel as intimidated or that there's like a level gap. So I like starting there and then maybe growing and talking to more folks who are outside. But that's one of my, I don't want to call it resolutions, but like intentions for this year is how can it be more intentional about creating relationships or fostering relationships, which is one of the reasons why I accepted to be on this podcast, because I thought it could be a great opportunity to meet you all and just what we're doing, talking about experiences and prioritizing relationships in general. Yeah, thank you all for sharing this great advice about networking, because it's definitely something that feels daunting, but I really like the idea of networking horizontally and making those connections. And the tips that you gave on doing that in more of a remote environment where maybe people are in the office one day a week and we're all there on different days and then the rest of the time you're just on these virtual meetings that you're just talking about work things on. I know we've had everyone maybe share a little bit about how their background has supported their work in UX and we wanted to talk a little bit more about about a time where you felt your your background had a positive impact on a project. One of the benefits, I think, especially working in tech, where I'm constantly working with cross-functional partners in product and engineering and even user research, analytics, et cetera, that as a part of my experience studying computer science and being an engineer for a brief stint and then being a product manager and now as a designer, like being able to not only think about all of those pictures, but understand the priorities and the ways that each disciplines are being held accountable, which helps facilitate the collaboration. And so our engineer counterparts, for example, are thinking about the technical feasibility and the implementation. And so when working with engineers, it's helpful to not just frame it as we should do this because it's right and our users are gonna love it, but say this is the trade-off and it is worth an extra sprint or two to get this thing to work right for these reasons. And of course it has its bounds, right? Because sometimes as a designer, you wanna come in and say, throw it all out, it's garbage. Like this is the new thing. And if that takes two years, to build, then you have to weigh that against does it meet the business needs and the strategy of what's going to happen in that time. So I think that like collectively, all of those experiences have helped. I think for right now, because Square works with small businesses, my mother has had businesses in the past. And so understanding the absolute grind that comes with being a small business owner has brought a really nice perspective and similar to something Maria Paula said earlier around like understanding an experience and bringing that into it. And so like when you're talking to different communities and when you're trying to understand the full picture, not all small businesses are people who are just like, in my spare time, I wanted to start this thing and I sell jewelry on the side for fun. Some are like, this is how I eat. And that like small adjustment means that the urgency with which we approach our work is different and almost the care and respect that we give to our small businesses is a little higher. Yeah, that's really awesome to hear how your kind of experiences and background have really formed your ability to 
succeed in your role and have that good insight that maybe others on your team don't have. I know, Maria Paula, you talk a lot about the beginning questions about your experience on your team during the first semester project that we all work on and using your experience to bring that awareness to your team members and lead them in the right direction when it came to interacting with particular user groups. So if you could tell us a little bit more about that experience or any other times that you feel like your background has specifically had a positive impact on a project and brought a unique perspective. Yeah, so with my first semester project, my team had two different projects. One was about sustainability and the other one was about like gamers that have difficulty reading the chat. For the sustainability project, I think each of us come from different backgrounds and that was awesome because we could all give different ideas like, oh, this person might have difficulties recycling because it's so expensive to recycle their TV. So they have to keep it on their living room for another two years until they figure out a way to get rid of it. And then for the, the other project, we're just trying to understand what are difficulties in like two different languages, right? And what they're looking at when they're trying to have fun. So I think since we have some Hispanic users, it was helpful for me to bring that aspect so they could understand like what they're looking for. What do they mean when they say certain things about fun? Like what are they looking to spend time off and what is the context of where they are living? Because they were not in the U.S., they were outside. So I think that was helpful. Thank you for sharing. That's really awesome. Next, we can go to Hanan and hear a little bit more about how you feel your experiences. My background has made positive impact on your projects that you've worked on. Yes, as a Black woman, child of immigrants living in America, we're always, like I or people who are either marginalized or not part of the majority are very conscious of the space that they occupy or like how they are different or how our experience colors the way we look at things. And so in design particularly, it can be very frustrating when things are always neutral. The designer's background is irrelevant to the product that is created and in learning about design practices that require us to reflect on how we show up and how that can impact what we create. I've been like very vocal in making sure that those are adopted. And so really taking positionality into account because I think one of the things at my job that I incorporated was starting every project we do with positionality a time to check ourselves and really take the time to consider our own experience, our background, what we bring to the table before we start the project so that we can identify gaps or biases. And so that will help us to fill those gaps and, and find people or just be conscious of like how we're entering that space. So one of the projects we're working on right now, we're working with an organization who focuses on reentry services for formerly incarcerated people. And so that was a very obvious one. It's like, wow, we really don't have this lived experience. And so how does that show up? How do we need to be careful or like what knowledge gaps do we need to fill in order to make sure we're coming not as ignorant designers who want to create technology for the sake of creating technology, but being conscious of how we speak, what presumptions we may have, and just making sure to just be as intentional as possible when we're interacting. So that is some of the things we consciously have to think about, but making sure that other folks will think about it 
as well and not consider themselves to be neutral parties. We all have certain biases and those should be considered at the upfront. Thank you so much for sharing. I really like that you started with you've always seen the world differently and having to explain that to people of this is inherently who I am, but also sharing that experience of working on projects where you don't have that lived experience. And how do you approach those conversations and how do you advocate for people that you might not exactly know how to advocate for, but advocating for that we should really get to know this user, even though no one in the room necessarily is that person. So thank you so much for taking us through that whole trajectory. Yeah, that was, I love that summary. So I know we touched a little bit about earlier in the episode of what questions do you ask during interviews and what people do you try to connect with? But overall, if there was one piece of career advice that you would like to give to Flat and Latinx, you actually of color that are listening to this episode, especially those who are earlier in their career. And I think I can speak for a lot of people in our program right now who are job searching, whether it be for internships or full-time roles. Yeah. So we'll kick it off. MP, if you had any advice, I would love to hear as a first year about your experience. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much advice. I think one is just like to not be intimidated of your identity and to just embrace it more than hide it. As I said, when I started interviewing last semester, I was a little bit afraid of my accent because that's something that people always point out and it makes me mad but I tried to work on it and like embrace it like I mean English is not my first language but I speak another language so that should make me a little bit more like I don't know how to phrase this but have another skill in my resume that I can show off so yeah to not be intimidated with your identity and to embrace it and to also I think look for those people there and try to connect even if you don't receive a media response that could be a good practice the future like just look who is in the company what are what are their values and I think always ask the DEI question all the interviews I had I always ask them and then compare how everybody responded is like important yeah that's really awesome thank you for sharing yeah definitely I think something that as I really start out in my career as a second year moving into a full-time role after graduation is me working on not feeling like I have to compensate for being me and feeling like I'm confident in myself and what makes me different from everyone I may be working with is an asset and something that's valuable because sometimes it can really feel hard going back to that feeling of loneliness that I think we were talking about in the beginning of like sometimes when you're the only one it can feel lonely and you can feel like oh maybe I just need to like change but feeling strong within yourself and just continuously telling yourself that what makes me different is an asset to anyone that is lucky enough to have me on their team and then also finding those allies in your workplace and in your company and in general especially within our program people that we can talk to and connect with to talk about these experiences so we don't feel so alone in them and we can also find support in those ways. So thank you for sharing all that great advice. So I think we can pass it over to Monet if you have any pieces of career advice you'd like to share for those early in their careers. So Maria Paula stole my answer. I was going to say be your most authentic self. And at all levels, you are 
the magic almost. And in that interview process and in your experiences like that is what will contribute and make the team better. Outside of that, I think that if we, if you start from a place of curiosity, then that will contribute and feed into all of the great things that happen. And so of course the opposite of curiosity is judgment. And so in the way that curiosity expands your mind and pushes you to think further, judgment is constricting. And so if you are curious about why certain decisions are being made at your company, asking a question, starting a conversation. If you're curious about how someone else's experiences have informed the way they're showing up to work, that using that as a way to guide it could get you in some really cool opportunities and continue to help you grow. Yeah, thank you for that. It's really great advice and kind of continuing to know that you are the magic in your background is the magic in these experiences. And then I think we can go to you, Hanan, to hear any insights you have. Yeah, same idea. Stay true to yourself and your needs. I think it's so easy for anyone. I think early career especially is going to feel vulnerable and like what they don't know. And I think that could be magnified as a woman of color. But if you need a supportive environment, say so. If you are really passionate about a certain topic or part of the design process, say so. I think in being vocal about these needs, we're just positioning ourselves to be our most authentic selves, which will place us in a position to be successful, happy, uh, content. Thank you guys so much for all of that career advice. I like wanted to be like writing it down, but we're recording this. So that's perfect. I can just come back and listen to this every interview season. Yeah, that's really helpful advice and really great to be thinking about, especially as we move into these roles, most likely that are going to be in some regards remote or hybrid roles and not really having that opportunity to just walk over and chat with someone or just ask someone casually, how was their weekend when you come into the office? But yeah, thank you all for sharing. So I think that's all the questions that we have for you all. Thank you all for taking the time out of your day to meet with us. We really appreciate it and giving these awesome insights that you shared. And I hope that everyone else finds this conversation as fruitful as we have. And yes, just thank you all. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening today to this episode of the HC Hive. For more podcasts, check out our new HC High series, Getting to Know Current Students in our Master's Program. If you know, you know. If you don't, no worries. We don't either. Peace, love, happiness, vibes.